Welcome to the Preservation Technology Podcast, the show that brings you the people and projects that are advancing the future of America's heritage. I'm Kevin Ammons with the National Park Service's National Center for Preservation Technology and Training. In this edition of the podcast, we join NCPTT's Kim Martin as she speaks with Barry Stiefel, professor in the humanities and social sciences at the College of Charleston and Clemson University. Today, they will discuss sustainability and preservation. Well, thank you, Barry, for joining me on the podcast. Well, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. So I understand that you teach a class on preservation and the environment. As you know, preservationists have often been arguing that sustainability and preservation go hand in hand. How do you approach this in your class? First, I start off with the basics, you might say, and that is going over sort of the major points that preservationists argue as being very environmentally sound and also trying to clarify where there's sort of gray or fuzziness in this respect and sort of going with the students, you know, how quite often you have to go by a case-by-case basis, that there really are no absolutes. And then sort of go on from there, from what we consider sort of bricks-and-mortar sustainable practices with preservation into, I guess, things that might be considered more peripheral, but when looking at management and sort of planning for the long future are other aspects to consider related to not just preservation, but heritage, intangible aspects, and the environment and sustainability. I noticed from your syllabus that you take a sort of reciprocal approach in one section with not only how preservation affects the environment, but how the environment affects our buildings. Can you talk to me a little bit about that? Sort of looking at how coastal areas, which we have many historic cities on, are threatened or potentially threatened with rising sea levels. It's also dealing with atmospheric conditions, uh, such as from acid rain or smog that causes or accelerates uh, weathering on historic building materials and historic structures. Looking at extremes in climate, because when we talk about climate change, we're talking about it's not just the world getting hotter, but it's also dealing with colder extremes at the opposite end. So, you know, how this can also accelerate weatherization. So that's the one aspect. And then looking back the other way, it's sort of thinking of historic preservation, not just the sort of adaptive reuse of historic building structures and districts, but also looking at historic building practices, et cetera, and how that can reduce our ecological footprint and in a certain sense can mitigate the effects of global climate change. I noticed also that planning had a large part in your syllabus as well. How does a planner incorporate preservation, the environment, and all of these aspects? I say they, it's not trying to incorporate all of them. It's doing them all, but at the same time. Traditionally, we tend to break things up into categories. You know, this is just transportation planning. This is just preservation planning, et cetera. And we really need to get back to the idea that everything is interrelated to each other and that, you know, these are components that we need to consider in all planning, particularly if you want to have a sustainable plan, sustainable land use. And all these approaches need to be considered because they all affect one another. Are there any really great examples that you can think of at this time? There's some interesting things going on right now in Boulder, Colorado. They've also been dealing with an issue of, you know, sort of, those were maybe too extreme to one side or the other, being either 
you know, environmentally speaking or preservationally speaking. And the thing is to consider is that what is going to ultimately be successful is somewhere in the middle. You know, if one is too much of an advocate for preservation, you know, there are things that are important related to the environment or some other aspect uh, or public welfare that may be ignored and, and vice versa. And I know they've been dealing with issues related to uh, promoting sort of lead certified building and construction and within their city, as well as dealing with the historic districts that they have and what they can do to bring those up to higher performance in terms of energy and resource uh, use. And so I know that's at least something I've heard about that, that they've been grappling with. Um, one thing to keep in mind is that there is no sort of final end sort of result where, you know, there you've made it, you're done. It's a continuous process. You know, you, you can always do better. You can always improve yourself. Um, so think of it more as the journey than the ultimate destination. Can you tell us what the greatest benefit of preservation is to sustainability? I would say this is the greatest because use of preservation, not just for sustainability, but sort of preservation at large, and that is to improve quality of life. You know, if we lose sight of that, then, you know, what are we doing it for? Why do you think there's been such a separation or perceived separation between people who want to preserve buildings and people who are in the sustainability camp or green building? I think it ultimately comes how these two fields have developed, particularly over the 20th century, the middle 20th century. Sort of in Western thought, we like to sort of categorize things. You know, this is preservation, this is environmental conservation, this is X, this is Y, this is Z. And we are, as a society, starting to learn that we can't always do that. And I think, you know, where people sort of have the aha moment, you know, it's always been there. It's just, you know, when is it that the, the individual themselves actually recognize it? That That's sort of the issue that has to be dealt with. And it ultimately, it will have to come down to education and, you know, trickling down into um, sort of the college curriculum and hopefully, you know, down into uh, secondary and primary educational opportunities. I haven't heard a whole lot about this being taught in preservation schools. How did you no. come up with your curriculum? Well, in, in that respect, you, you are correct. You know, it's just starting to change. You know, something that we sort of at least talked about in the Joint College of Charleston Clemson program, you know, these things were at least being talked about on the table initially. And our program wasn't the only one where this is taking place. As for myself, I really have to sort of look at my history of my experience, my college and university uh, career, so to say. My undergraduate degree is uh, a Bachelor's of Science in Environmental Policy. I was aware of preservation to a certain degree based on an architectural history class I took in high school. And then wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do at first for graduate school. And I ended up basically where the chips fell, doing a master's in urban planning, but focusing in environmental planning. And based on experience I had on a travel course in that program to Pittsburgh, seeing what they were doing with revitalization in some of their older neighborhoods, got turned on to the idea that adaptive reuse and historic preservation was a form of recycling. And I actually came into it from an environmental perspective. And in a certain sense, by the time I was in my doctoral studies, it sort of come full circle from where I started off when I was in high school. What are some things that you think that we as preservationists or just lovers of old buildings can do to sort of help make ourselves more accessible environmentally or make our case better? Think holistically. You know, 
course, you know, reach out to people, to those who aren't quite aware of it. Often it's just awareness, you know, go over it in, in a certain sense to, I don't want to say the other side, because I hate to say there, there, there's multi, you know, more than one side, but, you know, what is the perspective that sort of the traditional environmentalist advocate is coming from? And of course, you know, learn their side, invite them to learn your side, because ultimately when it comes down to it, we have the same sort of goals and objectives for the long-term future. And how would you suggest that we make this relevant to just the general public? Again, going back to education, that's the key thing. It has to be education. You know, there's definitely a great sort of green bandwagon going on. And preservationists, I think, should definitely jump on that. But, you know, sort of when opportunity affords to have sort of a preservation bandwagon, you know, definitely extend an invitation to those uh, interested in um, the environment and sustainability. Thank you for joining me on the podcast. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. That was Kim Martin with Barry Stiefel. If you would like to learn more about sustainability and preservation, visit our podcast show notes at the National Center for Preservation Technology and Training website. That's ncptt.nps.gov. Until next time, goodbye, everybody. Thank you.